recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge high atop the Herbert Hippel building in beautiful Midtown Portsmouth, Virginia. It's Phantasmo After Dark with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host, Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic, Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the old podcast. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Rob. We're back in the lounge after a brief hiatus here because of real life <laughs> and fun stuff. Monster Bash. Monster Bash. It was fun. And we just got back from Monster Bash in beautiful Mars, Pennsylvania. And I got to say, it's probably one of, if not the best, classic monster convention around, especially here on the East Coast. So actually only our second year going this year. Mm -hmm. And it always a good time. Uh, well, I say always. The two years we've gone, it's been a good time. <laughs> <laughs> we've met some cool people up there. Oh, yeah, met some really cool folks, uh, reconnected with some old friends, and you know, just had a, a blast. A great dealer's room, lots of cool stuff going on. Man, there's even an event where they throw out free prizes into the crowd one night and and have free cake out in the lobby of the hotel, and it's a blast. Next year's going to be even better. The guest list next year, they got three hammer babes, Veronica Carlson, Martine Bestwick, and Caroline Monroe. And that's just the beginning of it. So check it out online, Monster Bash. Yeah, well, they they do three events throughout the year. So there's one coming oh, yeah. up in October. Well, oh, there's right. one in August right. in Ohio and then one in October in Mars, Pennsylvania again. But the one we're talking about that we'll be at again is in June uh, 2019. And so if you've never Mars. been, uh, check out one of them. The June one is the one we go to. It's just the easiest one for us to go to. And uh, it's always a blast, always a good time, always come home relaxed, refreshed. Yeah, and kind of sad that it's over. Yeah, definitely sad that it's over. We plug Monster Bash for you. <laughs> You're welcome, Ron. Uh, <laughs> hey, another cool event coming up, up that way in Pennsylvania that I believe Tony and I are going to be going to is the Super Drive-In Monsterama at the Riverside Drive-In. They do two of those a year, and we uh, tend, usually we'll go to the one in September if the lineup's pretty good. And this year the lineup's pretty good. I believe it's Hammer Both Nights, and it starts off with Curse of the Werewolf. How could you beat that on the drive-in screen? Uh, there's a whole list of other stuff. I think they're doing Dr. Jekyll and Sister High and the I'm a blanking on the rest of them. But if you go to the Riverside Drive-In or Super Drive-In Monsterama, if you Google that and look it up, you'll find it. And it's a blast. They do four classic horror movies each night, Friday and Saturday. Well worth the trip from about anywhere you're coming. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and also Creepy Classics sets up in the concession stand there so there's dvds and models and t-shirts all kinds of stuff you can buy in between features it is a blast i can't say enough good things about that too so then you could uh let rob know you'll be there you could be at rob and tony yeah hey yeah if you do go let us know and you know we'll hang out be cool indeed but that's not what we're here to talk about no we're here to talk about tonight earth versus the flying saucers figured that would be a good one to talk about since it's ray harry Hassan's birthday just this past week and this is a, an odd film of his, I, you know, kind of unique because he's mainly known for his fantasy stuff. Right. You know, like Jason the Argonauts and Sinbad, Clash of the Titans. And this is just a straight up 1950s, 1956 to be precise, alien invasion movie. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of fun. It, it is. You know, it's not as intense as War of the Worlds. No. Which, oddly enough, Harry Hazen submitted a proposal and wanted to do War of the Worlds before they decided to do the movie. Think about what that would have been like. That would have been amazing. You know, I bet he would have animated the walking machines instead of oh, flying these saucers. So cool. There actually is uh, a little bit of footage. If you go, I, said, I think it's called the Harryhausen Chronicles. It's a documentary. 
And it was on the, the disc. We actually watched The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad the other night, which is another favorite Harry Hazen movie of mine. But on that disc, and also on the disc of Earth vs. the Flying Sauces we have, has this documentary, and it has some test footage that Harry Hazen did for War of the Worlds, which is just amazing to see. Oh, man, I just can't say enough good things about that. And some <laughs> of the other test footage he did for other things, other projects that never came about, but is on that documentary, the Harry Hazen Chronicles. you got to check that out if you're a Harry Hazen fan. Yeah, well, I mean, the documentary itself is just amazing. You know, well, is that the one that's Leonard that's, Nimoy? Yeah, I was going to say too, so that's cool. <laughs> narrated by Leonard, and he talks about where he met Ray Bradbury. Oh yeah, and how they were friends and, since like high yeah, school. That was that was really cool to to listen to. Yeah. I I had known that because we saw that documentary a long time ago, but I'd forgotten. Oh yeah, yeah. Until we saw it again, so that was really cool to listen to him talk about Ray Bradbury. But anyway, yeah, very cool, very cool. You yeah. should check it out. Now this film, we we watched this together. Uh, I don't know, a few, it was a few years ago, yeah, quite a while, while ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember the, well, it was the first time you had seen it Yeah. then, and you really liked it. Yeah, well, I'm I'm a sucker for the old sci-fi stuff anyway. I love old 50s sci-fi movies. Yeah, yeah me, too. me too. And sometimes I get in a mood that's all I really want to watch for a while, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And this is one of those that it's, uh, it's one of my favorites. It's got to be in my top three of that, that genre, that yeah. era of film. And it's, you know, there's no spectacular twist endings or sudden twists that happen in the it's just a straight ahead boom sci-fi alien movie and but it's it's good and it's it's fun and it's it's unique though in some of the things that happen in it that it's a little more like the, the, <laughs> the beginning where, oh, where the, they're uh, in their car yeah the the doctor uh it was hugh marlowe yeah. uh playing the lead in this who was also in this island earth by the way ah. another great flying saucer movie from that era he and his new bride who I guess is his former secretary, or still a secretary, are driving their car down the road. They just got married the night before. He starts getting a little frisky in the front seat. And her reaction to it, it's it's kind of real. Mm-hmm. The way you know, the way they're playing it, it's not the typical 50s now, now, you know, that type of stuff. And it's a bit risque. A little bit, yeah. For the time. if you, you got to put yourself to, to really enjoy these movies and to see why some of them are so, you know, so good <laughs> or so unique. You have to put yourself in the mindset of the time that it came out. And we've talked about this on other podcasts. I think on the previous one, Joe and I talked about this type of thing, too. You really have to to understand what film was like at the time, what mm-hmm. society was like at the time, yeah. and views on things. And if you put yourself in the mindset of that time, and this is the first time you're kind of seeing this stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of it's kind of eye-opening. You can really enjoy it and appreciate it, I think, a lot more. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a time when... Uh... What on television? You couldn't even have married couples in the same bed. In the oh, bedrooms, you couldn't say right? pregnant. Yeah, you, you know, could, so. and you had to say like water closet. You couldn't say bathroom. Right, right. Know? So you know. Yeah, so that was a little, little risque. Yeah. Like I think, kind of skirting the code a little bit. And then it has Harry hasn't chooses great shots a lot of times, you know, in in his films, and this was no no exception. But it has this scene right at, the, well, it's the same scene really. They're getting kind of frisky, and then all of a sudden, the flying saucer comes like down in their back window mm-hmm. and like following them, and then up over the car, and they see it in front of the window. And but that same scene has been reused and repeated in tons of movies over the years. Yeah, where the people driving the car, and all of a sudden something comes up in the background. In the background, you know, what well, Jeepers Creepers was one. Yeah, the recent one that did it. Well, I mean, it's an effective shot. Oh yeah, it's a great shot. But this is probably one of the first times it was used. Mm-hmm. You know, it came and we. You know, thank Ray Harryhausen for that. 
Thank you, Ray. Yay! But I. <laughs> but it's a it's a fantastic shot. The way it's done in this, it, it's a little menacing. Because, you know, they're driving the car and all of a sudden this big saucer out of nowhere is behind mm-hmm. them and then over them and then is in front yeah. of them. Well, the you... noise is a little intimidating, too. Yeah. At least it was to me. You know, that kind of weird saucer noise that yeah. they had going on. Well, that added you to... don't know what the hell it is. Oh, and, yeah. You know. and it definitely added to it, you know. And then all of a sudden it was gone. Mm-hmm. And they pull over and they're, you know, kind of freaked out a little bit and trying to get themselves together. Yeah. Well, you know, I have to give the, the girl credit. What was her name? I can't remember her first name now. And we just watched it and I forgot I her first name. First anyway, name wife. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? <laughs> I can't remember her name. Anyway, she um she's still driving. The saucer pulls out right in front of them. It's hovering right in front of them. And she's still driving forward and it's pacing them. And she's still going. I was like, you know, as soon as that thing got in front of me, I'd have stopped. I don't know why she kept going, but whatever. Yeah, probably just frozen in what she was I doing. I guess. You know? I guess. You know, one thing that kind of makes me giggle with some of these and I can't think of an example other than this one but I've noticed it's kind of a trend a lot of the times the females are driving in these sci-fi movies have you noticed that huh yeah I think we commented on that on it conquer the world too and I'm not sure why because it seems like back then it was always the men taking care of the women and they were yeah. doing the driving. But it seems like a lot of times in these sci-fi shows, the women were doing yeah. the driving. Well, you know, it, because, well, it didn't really matter in this one. I was getting ready to say, in this one, she had to be driving because he was working the tape recorder and, and saying his notes. Yeah, his yeah and I, I understood it for the plot device yeah, it was. But, but she could have just as well could have been holding the tape recorder for him while he yeah, was driving. You yeah. know, so I don't know. But yeah, it is weird. But you know, if if you notice right after that, when they got out of the car, when they got back in the yeah, car, he drove. He drove. Yeah. So they switched off. You know. Yeah, it was just just a thought. Yeah. Insignificant woman. <laughs> 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 well, when they went to the Pentagon later, I'm jumping way ahead. Oh but yeah. It was really funny. He the the doctor shows his credentials to the security, and the lady steps out there with him, and he just kind of eyes her, like. Whatever, I don't care who you are. You're just a woman. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you are. I don't well, need I'm to sure see they who told you him are. that doctor, that yeah, you know, the doctor and his wife were coming. You know. I suppose. I'm I'm going with that. Security was very lax. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we'll just we'll let that one slide on him. It's just funny. The passage of time in this is a little weird. Yeah, you have to kind of just assume things and go with it. I think. Yeah, because well, it's not. Tell you. It's not real clear. Well, yeah, it's not real clear. They have to tell you. Yeah. Because it's moving along at a pretty good clip. The movie doesn't slow down, that's for sure. No. There are no slow not. spots in it whatsoever where you're just like, ugh. Which, to be honest with you, when we were watching The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad the other night, mm-hmm. which we'll have to do a, a thing on a podcast on those Sinbad movies at some point, that one, there were a couple points where we were kind of slow in between the big creature set pieces, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't remember that. It's been a while since I've seen it, and I didn't remember that. Uh, also, it was real late when we were watching it, too. That's true. <laughs> but that's got some great creatures in it. But this, it didn't have, I don't think it had any slow spots. It just kept moving at a pretty good pace the whole time. Mm-hmm. Let's see, what was the, I don't want to go through the whole plot all the way through. It's a real basic. No, I mean, the basic plot is, you know, we're we're sending up satellites that they at one point call moons and then later they call birds. <laughs> they're nicknames for them. Yes. So they're, they're moon birds. so they send up satellites i can't remember for their exact reasoning that we're sending up the satellites just to monitor is it just monitor monitor things in space like asteroids and okay so they're sending up these satellites and we learn throughout the course of the first few minutes that the 
they keep losing touch with the the satellites that they're yeah they set up like what twelve uh, ten it, so far and they're yeah. getting set up number eleven right and they keep losing touch with them so then we find out that there's these UFOs that people keep seeing and eventually we figure out that the satellites keep crashing back to Earth that's why we're losing touch with them and then the uh, saucers are the reason that they're crashing back to Earth and the aliens we find out eventually are. Uh, they thought they were under attack, so that's why they sent them back. At least that's what they say at first. Um, and then we discover that the aliens actually want to populate the Earth, but they're kind of doing it in a nice way in the beginning. <laughs> well, they want to take over the Earth, but they're very polite about it. Yeah, they're very at first. polite at first. They don't they don't want to have a, a very hostile nation to take over, a hostile planet yeah, having they, to they constantly want to defend the, themselves. With the, leaders, with the leaders of the Earth and... and pretty much discuss terms and things they don't want to have don't want to have violence and have an all-out war and fight everybody because then that will leave them a wrecked earth to to rule over yeah it's very strange anyhow quite, quite but, civil actually yeah so that's that's basically what's going on and of course you know we're not going to stand for that we're going to try and come up with a way to fight back yeah and you know at the very beginning we don't know that the first time we see the aliens right they land and and of course, what do we do? We we fire them. on them. So it looks like we started. They were you know just coming down to meet us. Yeah. You know we started it, but then, then you we, find out yeah. that no, they were actually did want to conquer us, but they didn't want to do the to fight us to do it. Right. So so there's that. Going back to the shots that Ray chose for a lot of the different the scenes and all, it's not typical stuff. There's some really kind of cool stuff. I think one of the first shots opens up like on the aerial view of the car. The camera like following the car and then coming down to it. That was kind of cool, kind of different. And then some of the other shots, the close-ups of the, like the cockpits, and then you see that and the planes and the saucer outside. You know, coming around when they they're firing on the planes. There's some cool shots like that. But you know, let's get down to brass tacks. The star of the film is Ray's effects, right? I agree. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you know, the saucers. They're typical saucer-shaped flying saucers like you'd expect. But, you know, the way they move is kind of cool because the, the middle part or the outside ring is spinning the whole time and very smooth the whole time. I mean, you know, consider it, it was done by hand. All of his effects, his stop-motion effects were done by himself, by hand, one motion at a time for each frame of film. And it's, it's just fantastic. No, jumping back, so the way they explain the way the saucers work is uh, on, what, magnetic propulsion, Right. Yes. What? I'm just remembering how they explained magnetism and gravity. Oh. It was just funny. Go ahead. <laughs> they over-explained it. Yes. To the guy. Well, you know. They they could have just said it's a magnet, but that's okay. Go ahead. Oh, it what? was just It was the scientist weird. being a scientist, you know. I, it, it was, yes. Too many words to say it's a magnet. <laughs> were the subtitles matching up with what they were saying? Is that what you're saying? For the most part, yeah. They were matching okay. up. They Now and again, the subtitles would have would um, take out a few extra words here and there, so it yeah. would not well, that's be as th- wordy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back to the special effects. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and if you ever want to watch these movies with subtitles, it can sometimes be really fun, so do that. <laughs> I need it because I have a hard time hearing sometimes, so subtitles are necessity for me, but sometimes subtitles are really fun. You should give it a try. <laughs> yeah, where, they, where they say something different. Yeah. It's like watching a bad dubbed kung fu movie sometimes. <laughs> But another thing about these special effects. Are you sure you want to talk about those <laughs> I'm now? I'm trying to. Should I, should I tangent you off again? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> the, one of the, really co- the coolest thing about this is the crumbling buildings. Hmm. When they get blasted by the, 
the ray from the saucer or saucer would crash th- crash through them. Mm-hmm. Is you, know, you see the bill was crumbling and pieces falling off of the Washington Monument when it crashes into that. Mm-hmm. Each piece of falling debris was hand animated, right? By Harry Hazen, each little piece was was hung by a separate little string or wire while he was moving it for each frame of film. Man, I mean, you talk about dedication to the craft here. That's just nuts. I I do not have. It's I am phenomenal. not known for my patience, and there is no uh, way I would be able what, to do this. Uh, apparently, he he said in the interview one time that he this is one of his least favorite films of his. Really? Yeah, uh, and I'm not sure why, but he did say that he didn't want to do any more crumbling buildings because it, <laughs> it's just too much to work. <laughs> well, I can understand that. Yeah. Good God. The one thing that was kind of uh, weird, kind of awkward, and the aliens look kind of cool. But it was kind of weird that their arms didn't have any elbow joints in the armor. Yeah. You know, they didn't bend. And I don't think, I don't know if their knees, if they had. They walked like they were stiff-legged. just kind of stiff legged. Yeah. So I don't think they did. Yeah. It was just a choice on the designer's part. Yeah. I mean, wait, you know, it's saved on construction of yeah, the costumes. <laughs> but they did look kind of cool. They had a very sleek, kind of smooth look to them. Yeah. A unique, you That's know, true. definitely a unique look. For all the special effects in it, that were really cool each time you saw the saucers or the aliens or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was actually, there was a lot of stock footage used, I found out. Well, I could movie. tell a lot of times when there was stock footage. I mean, you know, when you see the ship blow up yeah, or you the, saw a plane crash. Blow up, I mean, that the was plane, stock footage. The plane yeah. crash was actually, one of the plane crashes, I can't remember which one, was actually stock footage from an air show. Really? That went, yeah, they had oh, a plane crash. That's and terrible. One of the battleships that blew up was actually from a World War II battleship wow. that blew up. Yeah. So there was a lot That's of stuff like depressing. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff like that in there. Yeah. Throughout the thing, a lot of, of the blow, blowing up of ships and buildings and yeah. uh well not the buildings. I mean <laughs> that was all Harry has and stuff. Yeah. You know, speaking of, of things blowing up, I kinda wondered, you know, when they maybe it's because it's organic material, I'm not sure, but whenever yeah. the aliens shot people, yeah. They disintegrated. Disintegrated. But whenever they shot a plane or a ship, yeah. there was an explosion. Is it? Did, was uh, that ever I explained? I don't think they explained it in there. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I don't think they explained it. I mean, you could assume, like you say, organic material. Mm. But then again, the uh, you know their clothes and the rifles and stuff disappeared too. That's true. So maybe it was a different kind of ray. Oh, maybe. It's just one of those things that goes yeah. through my mind when I'm watching these things. Yeah. You know, I, I was just... Lost in the film and didn't even think about that. Yeah. But that's well, an interesting I overthink. Point. I, was, I don't no, that's an interesting point because I think about stuff like that too sometimes. You yeah. know, but I just didn't with this. Right. But I don't think they explained that at all. They did say the the armored suits that the aliens are wearing mm-hmm. was basically kind of a life support. You know. Right. And the, I think when the scientist puts the helmet on, so oh, this almost makes me like Superman. Implying at first, I thought that he could see through stuff. That's what I thought too. It it did, just, he didn't say that, but it did say it amplified all of his senses because yeah. he could hear somebody in the other room. Yeah. And it was virtually indestructible. Right. And when they pull the helmet off the alien, the one time we see the alien like that, which looks like kind of like a typical alien, you know, big head, yeah. big eyes. And just stuff. really crinkly old skin. Yeah. Like. And he just kind of disintegrates yeah. before them. Yeah. Out once of the he's armor. gotten out of the armor, right? Yeah. But it was, you know, it was kind of cool looking. They could have really, they could have done something unique and really different with that. The alien look, mm-hmm. and I kind of expected a little more with Harry Hazen. I think I wasn't really taken aback when they showed it, but I had forgotten that, that they showed it mm-hmm. from the last time I'd seen it years ago. Well, I mean, who designed the alien? Did Harry Hazen design it? 
I assumed he did. I okay. mean, he designed the saucers and the armor and yeah. Well, I mean, because you only see it for just a few seconds. It's not very long. Yeah, and it's just that one. You don't yeah. see any more. I think overall, though, the film was. Uh, there's some actors in it that's the it's the typical fifties. Yeah. Sci-fi actor, you know. Yeah. Army guy and stuff. And there was a couple others that were a little above that, I think. Sure. You know, uh, Hugh Marlowe was just edging that, that typical yeah, he 50s had, scientist. He had moments of kind of going ca- for it and, and yeah. then moments, and the moments where, where he was just kind of really, casual, yeah. natural, you know. And the same thing with the, uh, his wife. Yeah. I think the little, most of the scenes with just them together by themselves was a little more natural. Yeah, they were they were okay by themselves. You know. There were moments when she just annoyed the crap out of me, and I'm I'm not really sure why. Was she just being that typical fifties uh, housewife? Maybe, but it wasn't the it wasn't the housewife stuff that bothered me because I expect that. I mean, it's the fifties, like you oh, said, yeah. you've got to take it for the time that it was. But what was she tattled on her husband for going to meet the aliens? Like that kind of pissed me yeah, off. Yeah, that bit. was really annoying. I was like, look, who's who's your loyalty to, lady? Yeah. But no, I don't know. It was just every now and again she would do something that would be like. Ugh, I don't know. Cringeworthy, I guess, but whatever. Yeah. It wasn't the acting or anything. It was just something about her. But that's a personal yeah. thing. It wasn't anything about her acting skills. This is a pretty short movie, too. It wasn't it wasn't very long. No, it wasn't. Um, and I think, you know, when they were down in that bunker and they said that it was sound, they made a point of saying that it was soundproofed. Yeah. And then they, when they heard something was going on or found something, they were trying to get out and couldn't get out. So they went back down to that the lab. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the day before, whatever, she had got all those groceries because they were going to plan on staying there to monitor the rocket that went up. Right. So I think they could have played that out a little bit more about the desperation of being stuck down there. Yeah, but they just they just skipped it. Well, he, he did. She When she was asleep and he was talking the microphone, he said the air is starting to become toxic. You know, Yeah, but like, I mean, that was literally less than a minute and then they're out. Yeah. Well, like the passage of time, though, yeah. isn't very clear. I meant, the thing, okay, less than a minute you. of screen time is Yeah, what unless they about. tell you. And I think they could have played that a little more to make it a little more desperate. Yeah, uh, that's Give true. a little they more gravity to, the, mm-hmm. to that part of the movie. You know? Yeah. Well, I think literally the only, only reason they had them down there was a plot device. They needed them down there to have the battery power run out and have the air get thin or whatever. Mostly the battery power to run out because well, the, oh, yeah. so they, could, they could hear the, message, the, the yeah. message on the the tape that was running too slow. Yeah. What happens when they first meet the aliens, when the saucer first comes down and you hear that sound, that mm-hmm. real high pitched sound. It was just really fast speech. We, yeah, we find out later what that is, is that was a message that they were sending to the doctor and he happened to have his tape recorder still on, but it was sent at such a high speed that we couldn't decipher it. It, you know, it was just garbled high speed speech. Yeah. Well, it wasn't speech to us. It was like, sound. <laughs> Like the episode of Star Trek. Yeah. And when they're down in the bunker and the batteries are run down on the tape recorder, he's playing stuff back and it's starting to slow down. And then as it slows down, the zzz starts to become a message. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you're right there. You know, it was just they had to be down there and that to happen for that. But, you know, it's like in War of the Worlds when it's starting to get towards the end of the movie and they're desperate and things are happening. Mm-hmm. The guy gets... He almost has a, a solution, but his truck gets, the mob takes him over and beats him up. And he's walking in the cities, crumbling, the people in the church. And it's pretty desperate. Yeah. And this didn't get to that Yeah, point. you don't ever feel that. No. But it's, it's a fun ride, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the I think the most desperation you feel certainly was not when they're trapped in the bunker. It was uh, after the 
aliens do whatever they do to the sun and cause all the chaos on Earth for all the storms and tidal waves and whatever. Oh, yeah, communications for break eight down days, yeah. and transportation breaks down. But you only see like clips of it on the news via the television. Yeah. You don't get anybody talking about it or yeah. people panicking in the streets or anything right. like but that. But apparently the weather in D.C. is beautiful. There was no problem there. <laughs> D.C. was sunny and beautiful. But I did like, that was one Which of the funny things. Which was probably actually California. <laughs> yeah, right. But one of the funny things was uh, the doctor was going to go to Aberdeen to work on the ray guns, or yeah. not ray guns, but the sonic guns that yeah. he was trying to kill the aliens with. And he, instead of taking his wife with him, he was going to send her to Palm Springs because she was going to be safe there, even though they just told us that everything was flooding and they were expecting <laughs> tidal waves. I thought that was really funny. Go to Palm Springs. Safe there. Yeah, wear a life jacket. <laughs> but she didn't get to go because transportation broke down. But anyway, yeah, it was still funny. But then that brings us up to the big scene in uh, D.C. where the saucers are attacking the Capitol and the Washington Monument. And, and there's some great shots. In yeah, there is. You know, and I didn't really pay attention at first to the, the buildings crumbling. Uh-huh. I just kind of assumed that a lot of that was just models. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. they were blowing up models until you told me you know, halfway through the, the explosions that the, oh, yeah. the models were all, you know, Harryhausen doing the Yeah, when you can, you can stuff. see it. I mean, if you... You if certainly you, can. I just know, wasn't paying enough they, attention. They, they, it falls just a little bit different than it would if it was real. Absolutely. A little, a little slower A little slower, a, a little more a little and, jagged or whatever. You know, Harryhausen said in an interview we were watching that he always considered his movies take place in kind of a, not the real world, but kind of like a dream world, mm. where stuff like this couldn't, yeah, you know, it would never really happen, like the monsters and the Sinbad and the, you know, the alien stuff. Right. And he said, you don't want, you know, you don't want a dream to be real. You want it to be dreamlike. Mm -hmm. And that's why he considered his effects to kind of, to look. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't, you know, it, it's stop motion. It's going to look like stop motion. You don't, if it looks too real, it's going to lose that dreamlike quality to it. And I totally get that. Yeah. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And if you can view his stuff with that in mind. It's right. that it's that much better. Yeah. You know? Right. And the thing about Harry Hazen, and you know, to me, and I've said this in many conversations about Harry Hazen, as opposed to digital effects that they use a lot today, which I can't stand. There's some that are good. Don't get me wrong. There's some that are done well. But a lot of times it ends up looking like a cartoon. And you know, you can tell it's a computer effect, no matter how good it looks. It's like, it's too clean, it's too smooth or something about mm -hmm. it. And when it's not good, when it's bad, it's it just takes you right out of it completely. But you know that there's an actor there, and that's it. There's nothing else around him. All the other effects and even the backgrounds and stuff, is computer done. Now, sometimes it's done very well. Sure. And you can't tell that the backgrounds are, are not real, but whatever he's addressing or fighting or whatever, eh, you know, it comes off as a cartoon. And you know that it was, the actor was there and the special effects were done somewhere else in a little computer box and added later. You know, the cartoon mm -hmm. was added later. The stuff with Harry Hazen's effects is there was physically something there that the craftsman, Harry Hazen, is manipulating to move, where the creature, the flying saucer, whatever. Well, and then that's put in this film, you know, the films are put together with the humans at the same time. So you, your brain, you know there's something with, is actually with weight physically there. Yeah. And to me, that's the big appeal to it. Even though it, the stop motion has that look to it as it's moving, that I will say that dreamlike look, mm -hmm. 
um, it was it's actually a real piece, a real something moving. Yeah. You know, it's not drawn or manipulated by pressing buttons on a computer. Yeah. And I think that's the brilliance of it, you know, and it just and the craftsmanship and art, artistry of it. It's just, you know, it captured me when I was a little kid and I saw, actually, I was lucky enough to see uh, a couple of Sinbad movies, I think, at least one, when they re-released them in, in the 70s when I was a little kid. My dad took me to see, I think The Golden Voyage was the first one I saw. So I got to see, you know, in the theater mm-hmm. and, you know, you had me. You had me right there from then on. And anything Harry hasn't did, I just was in love with. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that you were talking about the, you know, that the actor was, he was acting with nothing in, if it's CGI, but it's true that the actor was really acting with nothing with this too. I get that it's, it's oh, yeah. different. I know what you're saying. Yeah. But what we see on the screen though. Yeah. It's still physically is something. something that was there and was filmed. Yeah. It was just filmed separately and yeah. they put the two films together. No, I get it. Whereas with the CGI... The actor was filmed and then a drawing was put in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, listening to that documentary, it was interesting to hear Ray Harryhausen talk about, I think it was him that was saying, yeah. you know, that he had to find or they had to find the right person to be able to act against nothing, to make it look like they really oh, were yeah. Yeah, well, that's what he was talking fighting about, the against seventh something that was really there. Uh, well, right. With Kerwin Matthews, yeah. yeah. Uh, he said he, he had the ability to make you believe he was really seeing something and really right. fighting against something. And mm-hmm. that that fight with him and the skeleton is, a, is outstanding. Well, I mean, it's a legendary scene. Yeah. And this is before Jason the Argonauts with the, the seven, I think it was mm-hmm. seven or nine skeletons. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, this is just Sinbad just against one. one skeleton. And that, man, I mean, you know, you think about it, you look, oh, okay, today you just look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's really pretty cool. But if you think about it at the time, what he had to do is learn this choreographed sword fight with with a sword master, with a stuntman, mm-hmm. learn it, remember it, and be able to do it with that guy, and then do it exactly the same way with that with, guy wasn't there with nothing, with nothing, and do this whole sword fight with nothing, and then Harry hasn't matched the skeleton movements to his movements in the animation, which kind of blows my mind how he could do that, yeah, with this little <laughs> model and his brain just doing you know and to get the angles right yeah yeah it's just it's incredible and it, like it's just mind blowing the more i think about it it's like holy crap <laughs> it is amazing but then it comes off on film it's beautiful yeah and it looks i mean he's fighting that skeleton man i mean you know? yeah it's very cool unfortunately there's nothing like that type of stuff in uh earth versus the flying saucers but no but it's it, still, yeah. But it is it's a, Harryhausen. But it's Harryhausen yeah. doing, you know, sci-fi, and it's yeah. a it's a great, fun little popcorn sci-fi alien movie. Yeah. Just as kind of a aside, I know that years ago you and Tony and some of the other guys went up to the bird and saw. Oh yeah. What did you go see there? Uh, it was a documentary on yeah. Harryhausen, uh-huh. and it was Jason and the Argonauts. Oh right. And Ray Harryhausen was there. Right. So did he speak at Yes, all? he did. So did he give you any tidbits during the speech? Was there anything interesting that he said there that you want to share? Uh, I don't remember exactly. I probably have talked about it already. Oh. <laughs> this, some of the things is probably just ingrained into my brain right now. Yeah. The, ma- the thing you I just, just remember in is, awe. Yeah. I remember just being in awe that I was in the same room as Ray Harryhausen. Yeah. And I got to, you know, I got his autograph and I got Neil down beside, he was sitting in a chair, Neil down beside him and get a picture with him. Yeah. Oh, you'll have to put the picture up on Facebook. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll have to put the picture up. And it, it to this day, that blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, 
the legendary Ray Harryhausen, and I got to be right beside him. Yeah, very cool. A, oh, jeez. Like I said, well, I remember being at all. I mean, he talked about, you know, the Argonauts, and I think he said that was probably his favorite of his films. That's why they showed it. Mm-hmm. And the skeleton fight, you know, they talked about that. And of course, he t- talked about the stuff you you know when you always hear about how it was done, and, uh, mm-hmm. and he pro- probably took some questions. I can't remember. Yeah. But it was just, yeah, yeah that was incredible. Once in a lifetime experience. Well, I'm glad you got to do it. Me too. But, you know, we'll have to do a, uh, definitely do the Sinbad movies once I get the other two. Yeah, we'll watch I'm them all. I'm surprised I don't have them already. Yeah. But we'll do a, an overview of all three of them. The Harry That'd Eyes be good. and Sinbad. That'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the seventh voyage of Sinbad, the creatures in it, fantastic. Right. And, of course, one of my all-time favorites, the Cyclops. Just great design. Iconic, beautiful. But there were some slow parts in it, you know? Mm-hmm. The other two, it's been such a long time since I've seen them, uh, but The Golden Voyage of Sinbad and uh, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, they both have unique creatures in them and, and memorable creatures and stuff, like the one that has the Kali, the eight arm. Oh, mm-hmm. that's so cool. <laughs> but I don't remember a whole lot more about the the plots and stuff. You mm-hmm. know, so we'll have to do that. Definitely yeah. have to do that. So I just remembered this. The saucer design for this, you know, when they land, the landing gear, for lack of a better Term. Oh, yeah, where that tube just slides the, straight yeah, down. Yeah, the tube that yeah. slides down. It's also the door to get in and out yeah. of the saucer. Uh-huh. I've seen that design on other things. Do you know where the first time that was used? I do not. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it was this. I don't know. I but do not know. I was just curious. There's another Harryhausen that I want to see that I, I don't know if I've ever seen all the way through. First Men in the Moon. Mm, never seen it. That was the one that has the those ant-like creatures that we were saw in that documentary. Oh, those look cool. Yeah. And that's kind of a Jules Verne type of... Hmm. I guess... I think that's a Jules Verne story. Is it? I don't know. But it has that Jules Verne steampunkish, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of bent to it. Cool. But you'll have to get that, do a podcast on that, too. I'm always up for talking about Harryhausen. 20 Million Years to Earth is one of my favorites. The Emer, or Yimmer, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful creature design. Any of his creatures. Or just oh, the imagination that went into creating those, you know, yeah, and making a move. Well, the time and effort, imagination <sighs> that that, that blows my amazing. mind. If I think too much about it, it hurts my head. Well, I know <laughs> it took four months to do the seven. Was it the seven skeleton scene? I can't remember. I want to yeah. say it was four months to do something like thirty seconds of yeah of film. For one of those scenes, it was amazing. It's like four months. I I could I would have given up way before then. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I can't work on. Oh, it was. I long. was talking it about the, the Hydra. Was it the Hydra? I think it was the Hydra. I can't and, remember. I just know it was four where, months for seconds. And he was film. talking because he works by himself, and you know, he he was talking about how you'd move one head this way, one head back a little bit, one head forward. And if the phone rang and he wouldn't answer, and he came back, <laughs> you'd forget. Then forget where he was and which head was going forward or backward or sideways, and he'd have to start over. And Ugh. you know. Ah, just incredible, incredible yeah, it, artistry. It's amazing. But back to this film, Earth versus yeah. the Flying Saucers. It came from a short story, but I can't remember who did the short story. Based on a book by Donald Kehoe, if I'm saying that correctly, called Flying Saucers from Outer Space. Oh, okay. If anyone's interested in looking that up. Fred Sears was the director, and they also directed The Werewolf, the Sam Katzman movie, The Werewolf. Yes. Which this Earth versus the Flying Saucers and the Werewolf was apparently released on a, as a double bill originally. Which that's a good night out. The Werewolf. I I did a podcast on that a while back. That's a I watched that not long ago again. That's a still a a fun little movie too. 
one of the atomic age monster movies where it goes away from the supernatural and it's uh, scientific reasons so the guy becomes a werewolf right oh it was uh written by a few people there are quite a few names listed as the the written by but the top billing was kurt siadmak indeed who wrote the wolfman and i believe frankenstein meets the wolfman and donovan's brain great title it is. I mean, that's going to get your well, attention there were, right there. Were there were other working titles, too. What were they? Um, Invasion of the Flying Saucers and Flying Saucers from Outer Space. Any one of those is good. Yeah. You know, but Earth versus the Flying Saucers. That's it's a little more. A little punch to it. Yeah. Oh, there was also the um, four-issue comic book miniseries. Remember we talked about that? Oh, yeah, which that was actually recent, though. Yes. What, a, what 50th anniversary edition came out or something? Yes, I believe yeah, so. And I was reading somewhere that actually those were from the alien's point of view. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I'd so really I, like to see those. I want to check those out. I'm yeah. going to have to try to hunt those down. But man, yeah, yeah I'd watch this one again anytime. Sure, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's light, it's quick, it's fun. And like I said, the only thing that's missing from it, I think, is because it's an alien invasion and certain scenes, I think a little more gravity, a little more weight, a little more drama to the, the seriousness of the situation. Sometimes, yeah. But other than that, it doesn't take away from it. I mean, it doesn't take me. It doesn't take me out of it. No. And the only other odd thing is the passage of time. You're not sure how much time has has happened between certain scenes mm-hmm. until they tell you. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, they have. Well, I've been to, here for yeah. three days doing this. Oh, okay. I thought it was just like earlier in the morning you were right. here. You know? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that's not very clear. But uh, but that being said, uh, you know, also it doesn't hurt the film. It no. doesn't take you out of it at all. It doesn't. I mean, and that's true with a lot of films, though. I mean, sometimes they have to show you somehow how the time passes if they don't. Yeah. You know, so I mean, yeah. it's not a big deal. So there's that. Indeed. It's a lot of fun. It's one of my favorites as far as this era of film goes. I like it a lot. Yeah, and I believe it's, it's, it's still available. It should be on Amazon. Should be able to oh, get I'm it sure it is. Next to nothing. So if you like the 50s sci-fi stuff, Atomic Age stuff, definitely uh, seek this one out if you haven't seen it. And... You know, hey, if you're Ray Harryhausen fan, this is a an odd little kind of sidestep away from his creature stuff. Yeah. And it's definitely one you need to check out. Yeah, because there's really no creature at all in this for yeah. them to animate. Yeah, so so there's that. And <laughs> I think that's about all we got. This is a little, a little shorter one. It's not really a whole lot to say about this, except, you know, that it's fun. Yeah. We keep saying over and over. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, this is not one that you think of Ray Harryhausen when you speak of it. So um, maybe that's true. that'll be surprising for somebody who's never seen it. I don't know. That's true. If you've never seen this this type of film before, then it's a good one to start with. So give it a shot. Yeah. So there's that. And uh, that's about all I got to say. How about you? That's all I got. All right. So, hey, you know, drop us a line on the Phantasmo After Dark Facebook page or the Phantasmo After Dark email at phantasmoad at gmail.com. That's phantasmoad, all one word at gmail.com but be sure to check out the facebook page because rob will put up some pictures and stuff from oh this yeah episode. i'll put up a bunch of pictures from this as many as i can find and and you know the, all the different kinds of posters and the european posters and any stuff i can find the trailer and so it'll be uh you know be a fun little afternoon for you there indeed <laughs> well before we go since i'm back as oh your co-host, yeah yeah we haven't done this in a while we have to see how uh, how does Earth Our versus segment. the Flying Saucers relate to Planet of the Apes there, Rob. Okay, well. So how about, um, I, I guess we'll just go with the, the main guy. Go with Hugh. Hugh Marlowe. Marlowe. Okay. How does Hugh Marlowe connect to Planet of the Apes? Indeed. Well, Hugh Marlowe was in This Island Earth. 
Russell Johnson was also in this island Earth. Russell Johnson was the professor on Gilligan's Island. Okay. Okay. Kurt Russell, as a child actor, did a guest spot on Gilligan's Island. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kurt Russell was in Overboard with Goldie Hawn, where Roddy McDowell played the butler, Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Thank you very okay. much. Good night. Good job. <laughs> and there you have it. And there you have it. The world does indeed revolve around Planet of the Apes. Well, I suppose that'll do it then. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. Thanks for listening. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.